0: We are week six of our citizen series. Last week, Ian did a fantastic job on justice and holiness. Today, I want to talk to us about citizens in an unjust world with a focus on doing justice. Now, if I look at Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, you know, I see a world that is you know, free from pain. I see a world that where we, we are living in Ammon with God and God is living with, in Ammon with all that he created. But today when we look into our world, we see inequality, we see racism, we see xenophobia, we see gender-based violence and we see land and housing issues and employment. These are the things that we get to see in our world today. The world is broken. A few years back, I got invited to give training at the POSMO prison. I remember, you know, the first day I got there, it was to give training to a group of about 50 inmates. I spent a few weeks on the male and the female section, you know, to train them on job readiness under the banner of Network, which is now the Zano Canyon Network, an initiative of common good. I remember on the first day when I got there, I wasn't so sure whether these guys were going to accept me. I wasn't so sure whether they were going to be willing even to learn from me. But I was amazed to see their willingness to learn. I was amazed to see, you know, their passion. And driving back home that day, my heart was full of joy. I was excited, looking forward to it. But at the same time, I was troubled to see what sin had caused I was troubled to see when I look at these guys that the enemy has occupied God's place in their lives because the Bible said that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And here I looking at those guys, I saw a tenant, a tenant who has occupied God's place. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, is a place of God. But because of sin, we have pushed the owner out of his temple and we've allowed a stranger to take God's place. The next day when I went back to prison, then I decided to create a gap, an opportunity, so that I can connect with these guys you know, individually. I wanted to hear their story, their background, and the reasons why they were arrested. And here's what I gathered. You know, Some of them said to me, you know, Andre, I am in prison, because when my mom got sick, there was no way that I could carry on with my, my schooling. I needed to drop. I needed to drop school because she was taking care of me. She was the one who was paying my school fees. She was the one who was doing everything for me. Now I needed to take care of my mother. I needed to take care of myself. Then others said, you know what? I was fed up. You know, I have been physically abused by my stepdad and my uncle. I was fed up. I needed to act. That's the reason why I found myself here. And some of them said to me, you know what, Andre, I deserve to be in prison because what I did, I actually regret it. It was not right. I think justice, justice has done its work. I failed to forgive myself. I even, you know, I wonder, I don't know whether God will ever forgive me. So, the majority of these guys, they acknowledged to say that what they did was not right. But I was so interested to understand, not only on their acts, but I wanted to know their backgrounds. Then what, what I found out was that their crimes were different, but their upbringing stories were similar. They were similar, therefore I conclude to say that it is the history of South Africa that had put a number of these guys in a box. I know you, some of you are wondering, why am I telling this story? You know, I came across a, re, a research that was done in 2016 on, on, on children aged zero to six years. You know, when I read that, you know, that report, it says this, aged children aged six, zero to six years formed 15% of, of the South African population. It's about 7,2 million children. And 46 of them they live with their mother. 46% of them, they live with their mother. And 40% live with both parents, which would call a nuclear family. 2% they live with the father, and 12% they don't live with any of their biological parents. Now, when you think about the 12%, and when you think about the 46%, you know, think about when the mother is not there, who is going to take care of these kids? You know, when the mother, she's gone, you know, where are these children? When when they reach adulthood, where is their place in our society? You know, these things should concern us as capital C citizens. You know, when we start to ask these questions, and most of these kids will end up on the streets of your corners, on the corners of your street i mean and on the corners of my street that's where they'll end up and some of them will end up in prison so trying to connect the stories i had in prison and try to to try look at this report i said there is a problem here there is a problem and please tell me why we shouldn't talk about doing justice when we read things like this or when we hear things like this why shouldn't we talk about loving mercy and the root cause to these issues of, yes, we go back to the history of, South Afri- uh, of segregation in South Africa, the issue of discrimination and oppression. But there is something bigger than that. And the problem is sin. That is the many issue. The problem is sin as we read from Romans chapter 5, verse 12. When, when we read, you know, Adam sinned, we get in Genesis chapter 3 sin entered the world, it entered also South Africa. Adam's sin brought death, physical and spiritual death to us. You know, spiritual death is separating us from God. And physical death, not only the physical death, but at the same time also separating us from each other. So the problem is bigger than just the South African issue. It is a world problem it is a global problem and it is a spiritual issue it is a problem of sin we have all sinned we are all sinners in need of a savior one thing that we have in common it is it is a sickness that is called sin this is what we have in common with the guys in prison this is what we have in common with the guys who are standing on the street this is what we have in common with the ladies who are standing on m4 in Weinberg at night, in the rain and cold. What we have in common with them is the sickness called sin. That's a big issue. The reason why there is racism, the reason why there is xenophobia, it's the issue of sin. But we've, we've experienced God's grace. I know that some of you will say, um, whatever you've just shared, is it not the government's issue to fix, to make sure that you know, the education system is going well? I am not refusing your question, rather there is a merit to your question, but I can't help but think Jesus would say a different thing to you. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. For I was angry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. What does it mean to be a capital C citizen? What does it really mean? It's a question I want to answer. I think if you're going to forget all that I've said today, here are the three things that I don't want you to forget. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I want you to write it down and put it on your horse. I want you to write it in your diary. As a capital C citizen, you don't have to forget this. You don't have to forget to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6 Verse 8, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege that I have to share your word with my brothers and sisters. Father Lord, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would help us. God, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you shower your favor over each one of us. Lord, I pray that it's not just going to be a time together, but I pray that it will be a time that will transform our lives from inside out. In your name, Christ, I pray. Amen. Micah served as a prophet to Judah. Micah preached that God's greatest desire was not offering of sacrifices at the temple. God delights in faith that produces justice, love for others and obedience to him. And the importance of his message was that true faith in God creates kindness. It creates compassion, justice, and humility. We can please God by seeking these results in our wake. We can please God by seeking these, these results in our family. We can please God by seeking these results in our church and our neighborhood kindness compassion justice and humility are the results of our faith in Christ Jesus this particular verse in Micah is a summary of how God wants us to live and when 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 it speaks about to do justice and to love mercy. It seems at first as though the two are different, but they are not different. You know, the emphasis here, the Hebrew meaning for mercy is God's unconditional grace and compassion. And and justice in this particular verse is more focusing. It puts the emphasis on action and mercy puts its emphasis on the attitude, the motive to do justice. Therefore, to walk with God, then we must do justice out of merciful love. We must do justice out of merciful love. Zechariah 7, 9-10, he said, This is what God, the Lord Almighty, wants his people to do. God says to his people, administer true justice. Give people what is due to them. Stop with your prolonged fasting. You know, I'm just trying to summarize it. Administer true justice. Please show mercy and compassion to one another. This is important than your prolonged fastings. Do not oppress the widow. Do not oppress the fatherless, the foreigners, or the poor. God is warning us as capital C citizen to remember this, that he's interested, not in the prolonged fasting not in long fastings or some spiritual disciplines but god wants us to do justice god wants us to administer true justice god wants us to make sure that we are treating the widow the fatherless we're treating them with dignity and fairness but why do we struggle i guess there are so many reasons but one reason that i give us is that our world is social justice you know, a number of people think if I can just give, if I can just do good things, therefore I'm going to see change, I'm going to see, uh, you know, transformation. But I want us to understand this the power is not in the resources that God has blessed us with, the power is in the gospel. You know, it is the gospel that, that will change lives from inside out because the root cause, as I, as I said earlier on, is sin. As Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to change lives and to bring about salvation. To walk humbly with God entails that we acknowledge our limitation. We acknowledge that we don't have the ability to change people. We don't have the power to transform people's lives, but the gospel has the power to transform people's lives. And when we do justice with wrong motives, we have to understand that there will come a time we'll get tired. There will come a time we get if God is not in it because we are not God. God is merciful, but we are not. God is gracious, we are not. We are to partner with God. We are to be in Christ. We are to do it in and through him. And it is only and then that's when we can see true and everlasting change in people's lives. I want you to know you know I've come across a group of people who have been giving you know there is nothing wrong with this what I'm going to say. There are people who have been doing soup kitchen ministry you know for 15 years and one time I went to visit them. I stand there and I saw people were coming. Some of them were drunk and they are coming and I ask and say can you tell me for how long these guys have been coming to this ministry and they say some of them have been coming for 10 years, 9 years etc. Can you see you know Because they, you know, if we focus just by doing good stuff, by doing good stuff and not allowing, you know, not inviting God in what we are doing or not joining God in what He's doing in the world and not really reflecting on what can bring the the impact in those people's lives, we think just by giving them things or by really throwing money is going to bring about change. That is not going to happen so easily. The power is in the gospel. We need gospel motive to do good stuff. We need a strong gospel motive to do good stuff. The power to bring change is in the gospel. And when we understand as capital C citizens, when you understand the gospel motive, therefore doing good things is not going to be a push. No one is going to push you to do good. No one is going to push you to do justice because you understand what has has been done, You know what God has done for you. Therefore, when you do good works, when you do good things, it's not a push. It's not an obligation. You are doing it because you've got a clear motive, a clear gospel motive. You understand the truth of the gospel about Jesus Christ, about his life, about his resurrection you know you understand what christ has done for you therefore the motive is pure it is not for you to look good it's not so that people can praise you you are doing it because you want to glorify your father but you must have that gospel motive i remember for myself one day you know i i got home and i found my wife was busy preparing but but it was taking long you know, I really wanted this thing to come to the table so quick, the food. And, and I got there, I spoke to my wife and I said, what's happening? She said to me, you know, I told you this four plate stove has been giving us issues. We need to replace it. You know, it was a stove today to work, tomorrow it doesn't work well. Then I decided one day, I said, okay, I'm going to replace it. We bought a new one. Then I took this one outside one Monday morning. And when I got outside, there were people coming. You know, some of them already waiting. You know, these people, they're in your community, they're in your neighborhood, they walk with trolleys. And some of these people, maybe, are people who have been in prison. Then they come out, there are no opportunities for them, and they leave by opening your rubbish bin and my rubbish bin and pick up things from there, the moment I put that stuff in there and these people start to fight for it, they took it. I stood there watching and God started to teach me something about my life. You know, God got me to understand to say, Andre, you are just like that stove. Broken, used, destroyed by sin. And you found yourself in that rubbish bin. I came to save you. Can you see the gospel motive I'm talking about? When you've got you understand what God has done for you. The same day in the evening, my wife and I were walking to the store, and we saw the stove well polished by the guy who took it from our rubbish bin. He put it down with a price tag on it and he insisted to us when we stood there. He said, sir, I can test it for you. It's working. And again, God started to increase my understanding around this gospel motive you know, I started to increase my understanding to say, you know what, Andre, this is the same way. You know, I took you out. I polished you with my blood. Now, there is no price tag that can be put on any capital C citizen. The price is the blood of Jesus. The moment you understand that God extended his grace to you, the moment you understand the love of God and what God has done for you, there is no one who can match the price of Jesus' blood. Then when it comes to doing justice, it's not something someone is going to tell you to do. Or should tell you to say you have or you must, they are not going to push you. there is no obligation. You do it because you've got good gospel motive. You understand that you've been saved by grace. Therefore giving becomes easy. Giving of your time, resources becomes so easy because you understand what Christ has done for you. I was expecting an amen, even if it's an empty venue. The gospel motive. The gospel is the power of God to change and transform lives. God came into this world, Jesus. You know, when you look at yourself like this stove, it will change the way you relate to other people. It will change the way you see yourself. It will change the way you see other people because of what Christ has done for you. Once one grabs the depths of the gospel, no one will push you to do justice or to love mercy. God's spirit in you will convince you on what is right and what is wrong. When you come across the widow, you treat them with dignity and fairness. When you come across orphans, you treat them with dignity and fairness. When you come, ag- you, uh, you come before refugees, you treat them with dignity and fairness because God dishes out his grace towards you dishes out grace to the world and we have to understand that the gospel is powerful than good advice the gospel is powerful than good advice the time I went to prison to Posmo prison to train it was not Good advice that transformed the life of those guys. Some of them who crossed the line of faith was because of the gospel when the gospel was presented to them. Some of them, even when they left out, they come to our offices. You know, some of them come to share their stories. It was because of the gospel. They didn't share about my good advice. They didn't share or try to say, Andre, thank you because you train us. No, they shared about what, what, what had happened inside them the day that they prayed that prayer. And God is still doing that work in and through his church today. Jesus is at work, transforming lives so that we can be, you know, we can obtain this new identity and we can be able to do justice and to love mercy. I love the way Spagin writes. He says this, It is undeserved mercy as indeed all true mercy must be, for deserved mercy is only a misnomer for justice. There was no right on the sinner's part. To the saving mercy of the Most High God, how the robot being doomed at once to eternal fire. He would have justly merited the doom. And if he delivered from wrath, sovereign love alone has found the cause for there was none in the sinner himself. You know, when you understand this, you will know that it is about a relationship with God and that relationship with God helps us develop a relationship with people who are not not like ourselves, who are not like us. You know, when you understand what God has done for you, you can look at other people not with the highs to judge them, but with the highs to extend grace to them because you understand what God has done for you. Capital C citizens are those who have the right gospel motive. And when you think about it, you know, as I was preparing, God just gave me this word that came to mind, gospel recycling. We are those who continue to be recycled by the gospel so that we can become more like Jesus. So that we can then play the role as a certain light, not on a a Sunday, but also on a Monday and throughout the week. And we don't become salt on a Sunday and the light on Sunday, then on Monday we become a salt and darkness. But we are being recycled by the gospel. We are not perfect, but we are those God is using the gospel to recycle our souls so that we can represent Him well, so that we can do justice and we can love mercy and we can walk humbly with God. So I'm... Really wanting to remind us that as capital C citizens, we are those people who are sitting under God's weight. Who have the right gospel motive because of gospel recycling. How do we do this? Great question, two ways. The first one is gospel neighboring. Gospel neighboring is very important. and I just want to speak a bit to those who are asylum seekers and refugees because our uh, congregation is very diverse. I want you to hear and hear careful. I I know what it means to be an asylum seeker. I know what it means to be a refugee because when I came here, I came as an asylum seeker. Then I know... What it, what it means to be, to be that. I know what it means to be a refugee. I have to repeat it myself again. But it, for me, I had to learn to practice you know, the principle of Jeremiah 29, where God tells his people to settle down, to establish themselves, to pray for the city where he had sent them, and also to, you know, to marry and to invest in that particular city. When it comes to gospel, neighboring, you know, we make a mistake. Sometimes we, feel, we think like this is only for those who have means. This is only for those who have financial means because they are able to give or because they can, you know, they can, they can support, you know, I cannot give anything. But let me tell you, there is nothing that is more powerful than prayer there is nothing that is more powerful than being on a, you don't need money to pray for the nation you don't need money to pray for people who are standing on the street we are all to do gospel neighboring we are all to do gospel neighboring you might not have a small sea you know citizenship in South Africa, but you have to remember that you've got a capital C citizenship in heaven, in God's kingdom. Therefore, it is our responsibility together, whether you are a refugee, to also do gospel neighboring. Luke chapter 10, 25 to 27, Jesus' God's he speaks about, you know, de- describing Our neighbor. He says that your neighbor is anyone you come across, you come into contact with who likes resources. Even someone who is not of maybe your people group. Who likes resources? Or the people maybe you don't like. You know, they are your neighbors. That's what Jesus, Jesus said. Doing justice is a gospel issue. It's not an issue to select or to be selective. Therefore, gospel neighboring is very important. We don't just leave it to our one and only common good foundation and say that, no, they are the ones who have to do it. They are the ones who have to do justice. Yes, they are investing a lot in the next generation. They are doing, they are making, but we don't just have to leave it also to the government alone. Yes, we voted for those people so that they can do the good job, but that is not enough. God is calling us as capital C citizens to do gospel neighboring. We can stand with common good, giving of our time, our resources, and our talents. But we are not, as capital C citizens, we are not called to stand back and to look up to them and say they're the ones who are going to do it for us. It is also very typical for us to think of our neighbors as people of the same social class and means as, as, as we see in Luke chapter 14, verse 12. I love this quote by Antonio Gonzalez. He said, To neighbor the other, gospel neighboring is not simply providing an occasional charitable help, not demanding that problems be solved by political power, but one self establishing fraternal, a permanent fraternal relationship with the needy person. This is true of Jesus. When Jesus came, you know, it is a relationship with us. It is not about, you know, it it is not about a distance relationship. It is a relationship that he brings to us so that we can get closer to our Father. A clear gospel neighboring. Imagine, the Bible without Philippians chapter 2, verse, verse 9 to 10, speaks of Jesus' humility. He emptied himself of his glory, taking a form of a servant born in our likeness, though without sin, yet he died the most shameful death on our behalf. Going extra miles, practicing gospel neighboring, looking at Andre, a naive. Young men, desperately lost, without identity, not knowing myself. Yet Jesus came, embraced me, gave me a new identity, and invite me in God's family. And he's still doing the same today. A relationship with God helps us to build a relationship with people who are not like us. If you're not in Christ, it's not easy to do gospel neighboring. If you don't understand what Christ has done for you, it's not easy to do gospel neighboring. We move quick. My second concept, which is the final one, is that don't just give, but embrace. Don't just give, but embrace. We do not just give, we must embrace. Jesus came not just to save, but to embrace us. You know, John 1, 12, who speaks about to all who did receive him, to all who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Here we can see that, you know, Jesus did not just come, you know, just just to, to give us life then and, and leave us. No, he actually came, you know, give us life and, Brought us into a relationship with the Father. We don't just give, but we embrace. You know, but if we don't have a good gospel motive, we can give and forget about it. We can throw money and things, but I I call you, common grounders, to not just give, but to embrace. I call you to gospel neighboring. And this can happen within the church. Community, and this can happen in your neighborhood. God did not put you there for no reason where you find yourself. God puts you for, there for the reason. And this can happen throughout the city. You know, God has blessed us where you are working, you know, in your family. God blessed you there for a reason. We don't just give, we embrace. We embrace people. We embrace new relationship. We engage with those who are not like us. We engage even with those who when you think about the culture's view or the worldview, you said, I cannot you know, engage with this person. But because of the gospel, I, I, you, we get to do that. Because we understand that God did not just give us Jesus, but also accept to embrace us into the new family. We are given the right to be called the children of God. Let's go quick to Matthew 9, 35, 36. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogue, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were arrested and hopeless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, this is not the only place where we see Jesus interact with the people. This is not the only place where we see Jesus actually, you know, we observe Jesus' compassion. You read the gospel, you see Jesus, you know, engage with a leper. We read the gospel, we see Jesus engage with a widow. We read the gospel, we see Jesus engage with the two blind men. We read the gospel, we see the crowd, and Jesus saying to his disciples, we need to feed these people. We read the gospel, we see Jesus looking at the group of people and said, Look at these people. They're like sheep without a shepherd. What was Jesus' response? Jesus' response is compassion. His compassion because all these people were not just the subject of his ministry, but they were his treasure. He responded with compassion. And why does Jesus do after being moved by the crowds he commissioned his followers then he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few ask the lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest Jesus is moved by the pain in our city he is filled with a deep compassion at the physical and the spiritual needs of the people we are to be moved as well. When we look at Jesus' life, when we look at what is happening in the city, we look at what Christ, how he responded to the pocket of pains, and he continued to respond, and he's doing it in and through us as capital C citizens, we are to carry the picture of Jesus. The author and the perfecter of our faith demonstrated a great compassion for those in physical and spiritual need. Therefore, we are to do the same. Jesus saying to you today, the harvest is plentiful. Ask your Father in heaven to send out workers. Let me land with this question. When last did you get moved with compassion? Was it yesterday? A month ago? Was it last year? Let's take two or three minutes to do, just to be silenced in prayer and to do business with God. And I want you to ask these questions. Ask God to send you. Ask him to move you towards, uh, uh, to, to, to move you to be his hands, his feet and his voice. Ask him to forgive you for not administering true justice. Ask him to to help you move towards others just as he moved towards you. Mm I want you to remember this. Again, if you forget all that I said, I want you to remember this. What the Lord requires of you as a capital C citizen is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You can do this. You can start today. Start gospel neighboring today. Don't just give, embrace. Father, I thank you. I bless you. Thank you for the time that we get to spend together. Dear Lord, I pray that let your word do its work in us. We invite you, Lord Jesus. I pray for my brother. I pray for my sister. I pray for those uh, teenagers, oh God, who might be listening to me right now. God, I pray that your spirit will move them to respond to the pocket of pain in our city. In your name, Christ, I pray. Amen. Shalom to you.